are now sitting at the wave table. Hey, welcome to episode four of the wave table. I'm here with Drea, also known as Hamish. And would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and what kind of music you make and all that jazz? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, my name's Hamish, uh, better known as Drea. Um, I'm a bass music producer uh, based in uh, Melbourne or Melbourne adjacent in Victoria, Australia. Uh, I'm proficient in stuff like deep dubstep, trap, rhythm, dubstep, um, a bit of grime and a bit of Future Garage. Uh, My whole shtick, I suppose, is um, that I'm proficient in uh, experimenting with really weird and unorthodox sound design techniques and creating wet textural and degraded sounding basses. Dope. Um, I was surprised to hear that you've only been going at it for about a year or at least with this project because mm. it seems like you've got uh, like a really well-defined sound. Uh, and yeah, I don't think there's m- too many people that sound similar to you. Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting too because I didn't really, it wasn't an intentional sort of, I'm going to make this style of bass music. I sort of fell into it while experimenting within my first like two years of producing because I've been producing for about, three or four years um, while I was doing like a DJ alias. And then at the start of this year, I swapped over to Drea just because I was outgrowing that brand that I started when I was like 17. And um, I wanted to like, you know, create something a bit more substantial. And yeah, it just seems like I half fell into um, creating this style of music and people seem to be really appreciating that and enjoying it. Yeah. You definitely tapped into a niche that I think is going to gain a lot of popularity here real soon i mean i think it's already yeah. quite like on the rise but i think yeah it's well i mean even more attention yeah well i mean you know i think the the most sort of notable thing that's happened um while pursuing drea was actually um getting recognized and promoted by uh infect who's a really really oh, popular really? rhythm dubs nice. yeah yeah he he opened his demos up um on instagram and he wanted to hear new music so i sent a couple demos over and he enjoyed both of them and um, Fuck, yeah. You can find that he's he's liked and commented on them. Um, which oh, is dude, that's fucking sick. Re- re- really humbling, really humbling, especially since, you know, I wasn't too sure how people would react to this style because, like you said, it's, it's different, to be sure. Yeah. So um, let's talk about your recent release called The Rake. Uh, it's <laughs> out now on Syndicate Audio, yeah? Yeah, um, absolutely love those guys. They're also actually based in um, Bendigo of all places. At least oh, one, of the owners lives, one of the owners lives in Bendigo, um, and he comes to a lot of the Melbourne shows when they're when they're running. Dope. Um, How'd you go? Yeah, about- no, I. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, that, that's that's okay. Um, I, w- I was going to say, yeah, no, it's a it's an interesting sort of thing because that track, um, the rake has been, um, it, it was it was made I think halfway through last year actually. Like it's it's been a, it's been around like in my demos for a really long time, and I think I only got it mastered like I don't know late last year, early this year, and um, I just had it sitting in my demos for a while. And um, once I sort of had a catalog of music going for uh, for a bit, I had like eight or so tunes um, stocked up, and I started seeing them out. And um, before I knew it, I sort of hit up John, the guy that runs Syndicate. And I said, hey, look, um, here's a few tracks of mine. Uh, what do you reckon? Do you think you could enjoy them? And he said, yeah, the, the rake sounds great. And um, yeah, it's, you know, now now it's out. So it's been sort of like a year in the making kind of thing, um, that track. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, it's really good to have like a catalog of tunes 
stacked mm. up because I used to do the thing where like I would finish a tune and then send it out to every label I knew and then finish yeah. another tune and go through the process again. Um, mm. But then I just kind of stopped doing that and just stockpiled them for a while. And then the first label I showed my stockpile to, they were like, yo, we could actually see releasing three or four of these as an EP. And oh, wow. now, yeah, I'm going to have an EP come out soon. So, yeah, I think, <laughs> there's, I think there's something to take from this experience is that if you kind of stockpile things and show people your range or variety, I guess, then it might yeah. be easier to attract a label to that. Yeah, definitely. You know, if, if a label has has more options to pick from um, yeah. and like different angles to look at you, um, that that's always helpful. Um, one thing, like, because I've been mostly sending singles out um, and, you know, I've already seen a couple of them get releases. The Rake was one of them. Um, I had another track called Hark that came out um, with Hellhound Audio, which is sort of a newly made indie label based in America that um, took that track on. And I think one sort of selling point that really uh, made the difference for those tracks is um, the little narrative you sort of describe yeah. to them that you've associated with these tracks. Um, yeah. And once that's sort of explained and then... I mean, in my case, at least, I was lucky enough to have a really good photographer and um, sort of like visual branding friend um, help sort of really just put a really neat bow on it. And um, yeah, people just really sort of respond to that. Yeah, Um, your visual branding is great. I think that's another um, big thing. Like, like labels can obviously do visual stuff for you, but I think if you've already got it done, it just kind of shows that you're serious, shows that you put in effort and time and probably even Hmm. money. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely that one. (laughs) Definitely that one. I mean, that, I mean, that also, you know, I think is for me, at least it feels almost like you can't have the music without the visuals and you can't have the visuals without the music, you know, Um, the, the music I described, like is described as swampy and stuff. And that's a very broad term and it can be, construed in so many different ways so it's important it's and so it's important that like you know you, you try to make sure people understand the direction you're going and then they sort of reciprocate that and they obviously like you said people are really enjoying it so you should do yeah. a uh, a cover that looks like a swamp card from magic the gathering <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man like it, it's great it's great <laughs> i definitely do like look into that stuff it looks awesome so you spoke about uh, like kind of setting the tone for the the release to send out to mm. uh, labels and such. And I actually, on a kind of related note, the intro of your track uh, it sets the tone really well. Like it's your whole aesthetic, and you just kind of know where the track is going to go from there. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was I just thought that the intro was really cool because. Yeah, just hmm. the theme it sets is, and the atmosphere is great. That's um, <laughs> that's that's really good to hear, actually. Yeah, because I've always struggled with my intros. I re- yeah, I just really like that like spoken word stuff, and then all the glitchy mm. shit you do with the vocals is great. Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting actually because uh, I after doing this challenge that I've been doing throughout um, June, which is writing a track a day for a month. Um, I've noticed that the most success I have with tunes and I mean, the rake and hark speak to that and a lot of, um, my more like dark and atmospheric stuff, um, is particularly researching a very niche, 
uh, sort of subject matter to a right. point where you can kind of visualize the feeling that you have um, inside of inside of you, and you want to like sort of preserve that and um, almost express it through the musicality of the track. Um, I think one one tune that I finished before doing this challenge that sort of clued me into this was um, I did a lot of research into like true crime and like, you know, uh, sort of like serial killings throughout America. And it's not so much the the topic itself, but how the topic made me felt was the um, thing that sort of helped in creating the atmosphere and being able to um, sort of articulate the, the, uh, the sort of soundscape that, um, I want articulated to a, to a listener. Right. So I, I think that, you know, that's sort of half the battle is like knowing precisely to a quite a specific detail what you're trying to like, almost like uh, describe to people sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. I, I think that you going a step further and researching it to such a deep level, like mm. that makes it a lot more authentic because um. There's a lot of producers out there who, like myself included, just throw, like, samples (laughs) from horror movies and stuff in there. And it might just kind of feel forced or cheesy sometimes. But, like, when you actually, Mm. when it's a real topic, it it just feels like a real song, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like the shelf, the shelf life of it um, almost is, like, doubled by, yeah, by that respect as well. Totally. Um, the funny thing about the rake actually was it was based on a creepypasta by the same name, like a, <laughs> like a really old 2012 creepypasta about some non-distinct creature that lived in a forest called the rake. And oh. like the creepypasta just talks about, it. it's like, Ooh, it kills people. And it like <laughs> haunts you in your nightmares when you see it and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? It, it, I kind of, I kind of like it. Like it's, it's kind of fun. Like the tone is obviously there. It's just being able to make it, not like a creepypasta. <laughs> yeah, you definitely but, like. I had no idea. Like, I'm pretty sure I've heard, pretty sure I've read that like back in the day. But I d- even yeah. though it's called the same thing, I just made no connection at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who knows? Maybe I'll make one about Jeff the Killer one day. <laughs> <laughs> so make the creepypasta step. Yeah. So your tracks like so atmospheric. Yet I found mm. myself like headbanging the whole time. <laughs> like it, it's it's not like a brutal like screeching fucking mm. ear like you know. It's not it's death not, step basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's okay. it's still like got a fucking sick groove to it, man. Like yeah, okay. I mean, would you like me to elaborate on that or? Yeah, man. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think one thing that sort of uh put me into the position of being able to hit this interesting balance of atmosphere but also aggression was um the artists that i follow and really model my work after um off the cuff i can think of a couple so there's like you know booker's finest he's been he's really proficient in that stuff man like his bass music is very atmospheric very vibey it's got sort of that old school thing but there's like really modern edge to it and obviously he's been producing for over a decade. So like he clearly knows his stuff and he can make pretty much any genre very competently. So I model a lot of um, my stuff after that. Even like, like I mentioned before, the serial killer um, track that was based on, cause I heard a EP he put out called Bundy smokes crack, which is literally like, <laughs> it's literally one of the tracks has 
um, audio of a Ted Bundy um, interview. Fuck. Um, <laughs> while, while I was in, and it, it sounded awesome. It was an awesome track. It sounded very sinister. And an, another um, example I also take from, and I think I very explicitly talk about whenever I talk to anyone about inspiration is uh, Midnight Tyrannosaurus and how yeah. his um, his Underworld EP is probably one of the most like textbook, like this is exactly how I want my stuff to um, <laughs> portray, but in my own sort of way, you know, he designed all these tracks around, you know, Hellblade and a bit about um, uh, Blade Runner, I think was also a, a bit of an inspiration in there, but um, it had this like nice cohesive story in each track and it felt like there was this, you know, start, middle, end of like n- narrative drive in it. And so in addition to that, you know, it, it was sinister and it was heavy. And at the same time, it was almost like very beautifully drab and atmospheric. And I kind of want to do something like that. Something that kind of <laughs> like make you think kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Dude, I love tracks that make you think like, especially in <laughs> yeah. this genre, like they're so hard to Just, find, but they're so good. Yeah. My, my friend Scribe talks about how he wants people to, be able to listen to a track all the way through again yeah um, or at least you know create a track that you can listen all the way through and like it's not just fluff for 55 seconds and then a drop for like you know another 55 seconds that's just a big dopamine hit and then you're done with it did you um, see that tweet where a guy was like who even listens past the first drop anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so it's so scary because that almost <laughs> seems like that's the direction a lot of people are going you know you yeah. see two two minute long dubstep tracks yeah where it's like it's got maybe 16 bars between the first drop and the second drop. <laughs> so, I, I guess, like, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess, like, you know, my tracks are also sort of there to try help fix that in the sense of um, the the drop will just be an affirmation of um, what the, the build-up in the intro are trying to, like, set and um, deliver. So, yeah, I, com- I completely agree with what you have to say. You know, it's vibey, but uh, hopefully it makes your head bang as well. <laughs> so. Um, mm. so I would like to have you elaborate on another thing in the track as mm-hmm. well. There's like sure. the main bass. I don't know how to describe it other than just the watery <laughs> bass. Uh, I yep. guess that's where the swamp thing comes from, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, com- it comes from a lot of things actually, but okay. yeah, no, I'll, I'll elaborate on that later. Um, if you'd like, but go on. Yeah, no, I was just, um, curious, like if you wouldn't mind opening up your recipe oh, book like uh, di- di- diving into like yeah. the sounds of the swamp yeah <laughs> um well it's it's interesting you know uh the rake in particular um was basically my love letter to when massive x came out um <laughs> massive x came out around the time that i started like sort of really making that track cool. and the the big hits on the on the one of each sort of like set of eight bars and um I think maybe even some of the wobbles are Massive X patches that I rendered out because at the time Massive X just eats your CPU. Um, right. So that was sort of it. But I think the best way I can describe my recipe book is play the lowest note you can and then work up. <laughs> Dude. And like, <laughs> it works. It works for me at least. Um, the, the tones you get from playing the lowest note, like I love making really high screechy shit out of like the mm. lowest note possible. Yeah, and it's it's interesting what happens when you do start playing stuff at really obscenely low notes is that it starts degrading and there's those, like, you know, artifacts that start being pulled out and it's almost 
sort of like music concrete stuff, like when you're d- designing the sounds. And it has this like really gross lo-fi um, quality to it. But some of them, I mean, you know, I, I'm it, it's not it's not odd for me to play maybe C minus one on a MIDI roll in Ableton on like a massive um, wavetable, and then distort that to grip to generate more harmonics. And yeah. then a, a lot of it is like you know being able to break the sound down, build it back up with filtering and um, saturation and I have this, I have this little in joke um, that I, from time to time, um, touch on on my Instagram, where I'll be designing sounds, and you'll just get these really gross, like DC offset looking waveforms, where it kind of like goes like this, and then it goes up like that, and then it won't actually come down for the second cycle; it'll sort of drift for a bit, oh, and it'll sound like like it'll sound like nonsense. It's absolutely disgusting, but once you start mucking around and actually sculpting the sound from the ground up again, you get these really interesting timbres and tones and especially with like warping modes, you know, like Ableton's grain mode is pretty much my wife at this point. <laughs> like <laughs> I, it, it's all, it's all like sort of like granular sort of sounding stuff, you know, being able to stretch a sound out and chop it up in like such microscopic levels and ways, um, you know, other than the quintessential, just do it until you know like what to do subconsciously. Um, yeah, my my workflow with sound designing is always uh, how can I break this and build it back up, and um, how can it also communicate um, the the almost like the semiotics of the theme that I am trying to communicate to people in this track. Yeah, so I guess that kind of continues on kind of the theme from the last few episodes of the podcast where mm-hmm. I've just been kind of stressing to just mess around with shit and then uh, yep. just post-process it rather than trying to build a specific sound right from the start. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Seems like that's your whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to religiously, when I started out, I used to religiously work in MIDI. I used to hate rendering stuff to audio because I had like these commitment issues with like freeze flattening and all that but um even even nowadays you know i if you catch me on a discord server i'd be happy to like you know show i'm always happy to show people um this one process i have um where i literally like i'm doing now like you know direct ending my uh microphone into ableton yeah and then putting a rack i call the edm talk box on it which consists of a vocoder serum effects that has um a you know the post-process effects um, section and then a multiband compressor after that and then three OTTs after that and basically you just scroll through the um, different effects in Serum Effects while also recording your voice making really weird almost like beatboxing or guttural noises or just yeah. clicking and you'll be like I've got an Ableton push with me um, so luckily all my stuff is macro to knobs so I can literally like ride the format knob on a on a um, vocoder and then the freak like the filter cutoff um in serum effects and then you know quickly scroll through again to pick a different effect and just keep going through and i'm almost working exclusively in audio now when i when it comes to That's creating sounds sick, and dude. writing tunes so this yeah i completely agree the source <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think, so i think that's the way of the future to be honest yeah, absolutely i mean you know there's there's so many different vsts that can do so many things that like it's it's almost insane like not being like not just constricting yourself to what a synth can do and even though synths are getting more and more powerful it's 
I think equally it's important what you can do after that thing to dress it up and to give it that that X factor, you know? Totally. Mm. So I was curious, what kind of stuff did you make before you kind of stumbled upon this? Um, a whole lot of nothing, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, I, nev- I always say I've been producing for like three or four years, but I never count the first year because the first year is just the learning curve of right, figuring out yeah. what, the, what the software does. Um, leading up to that, it was just, you know, I, I knew I wanted to make dubstep. So I've been trying my hardest in the last few years to really refine my style. And I think now it's starting to culminate into the catalog of work that, um, you're seeing now and what you will continue to see as the year goes on. Um, I've always been, uh, very adamant about uh, learning things and wanting to expand my knowledge and never really, you know, disregard any piece of information that is available to me. Um, even if it isn't directly linked to what I'm trying to do. And I mean, even though I write dubstep, I'm always happy to like learn about how a future garage artist produces, for example, I've been really looking into that. And one takeaway I've gotten from that is processing my drums and using Foley as like a more percussive element oh, in yeah. my tracks. So, you know, uh, it's, I've been making dubstep, but at the same time, I've been learning about making other stuff in theory. And that's been just building onto what I already know and what I make. So yeah, um, that's sort of the roundabout way of answering that question. Anyway. <laughs> that's all good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of people say that when you watch a tutorial or something, you should really put it into practice immediately to like sink, let it sink in. Um, yep. But if, if you don't really make the genres of all the tutorials that you're watching, that's not really necessarily applicable. Um, mm. So kind of on a similar note, I find it's nice to just watch tutorials across all genres and then just little tidbits here and there you can add to your own workflow to help with whatever you're producing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I learned, I remember a few months ago, I was learning more about le- mid side and left, right EQing. And I mean, the example they were using in the tutorial was mixing guitars for a rock yeah. track, you know, they're like, Oh, well, you know, cut the left frequency of one guitar and then boost the right of the, and then boost the left on the other one. And, vice versa with the right and that's how you make two things with similar frequency um content sit in the mix fine even in a mono mix so yeah no i I completely agree like it's just good to watch it like it's it's just good to have it in the forefront of your mind at all times really yeah fun fact i actually just did that exact thing yesterday (laughs) (laughs) yeah nice nice it was funny i was just giving feedback yesterday on a friend and literally yeah also was recommending like they (laughs) try that out because they lost like six db on on the mix um because it was it was really the bases were pretty wide and i was just like you you need to probably maybe look into mid side or left right Mm. um so yeah just, yeah, just a small tip on that for anyone who's mm. finding that their stuff is so wide that it doesn't translate to mono well. Um, just stick like a isotope inside or whatever monitoring plugin that has mm. like a sound field meter. I forget what the actual name is. Um, but yeah, just chuck one of those on the master and then solo like all your bases and look yeah. at the cor- oh, correlation meter. That's it. Just look at that yep. while you go through soloing all your bases and just make mm. sure they're not getting too uh, too wide. They're not getting, yeah, not too lost in the mix or anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, it's it's fascinating. So along that, 
line. Is there any uh, resources out there that you would like to recommend to producers? Like I know before we started the podcast, we were talking about the Mr. Bill Ableton ear stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, from what I've briefly watched, you know, I watched, I'm probably going to later tonight, watch more of season one of the, um, of his, of his um, little series on like creating a track. So, um, off the cuff, um, if you're starting out, I would recommend, Again, Mr. Bill, like, because his YouTube channel is a very valuable resource. He breaks down, you know, basic stuff. And, like, you, even if you're, like, more experienced, don't disregard yeah. le- relearning the fundamentals. Like, this, like the other day, I, I've been using Operator a lot. And the other day, I only just learned you can actually save and import um, your own Operator waveforms and, like, mm. and everything. So, that, that blew my mind. Um, so, Mr. Bill, Andrew Huang, um, Slink. Slink's a really good resource. Yeah. Um, he, he has some pretty, like, clear and concise videos on specific uh, plugins and effects. Um, there's this really good channel called On Cloud Sign, as in, like, the sine wave. Haven't heard of that um, one. I'll have to check it out. He has a whole mini-series on going through Ableton's stock plugins again and, like, sort of clearing up what they do and what each knob does. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, if you can't afford, like, premium classes like that, those are a few resources. Um if you if you use certain plugins, look at their manufacturer's YouTube channel. They'll teach you. They'll probably teach you about the thing you're using anyway. So you might as well. Fab Filter is one that comes to mind. Isotope is one that comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, Isotope's great. I um for the yeah. first time ever, like a week or two ago, I made a rap song, and uh, they actually had a guide, like complete guide, how to mix rap vocals on their YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Actually, in in light of that, read Stefan. Um, yes. He's a really good resource um, at like, you know, teaching very transferable uh, mixing engineer um, techniques. Like I, I learned how to process vocals from his videos. So um, in the door, in the door is another good one. If you oh, really yeah. want like hands on, like watching a producer in ETM, it's actually like make a song and break it down. Yeah, that was a massive inspiration for this podcast. Yeah. I was originally planning to do something like that, but I wanted to make mm. it like an audio only experience as well. And yeah. Like the video yeah. is optional. Mm, mm, yeah, totally. And in light of that as well, AU5, who, who could forget oh, yes. like, one of the, one of the guys themselves, you know? <laughs> so the hyper yeah, th- those, those are, those are my recommendations. Um, and just yeah. getting your hands on any and all live streams that you can get your hands on. And especially in this digital climate we're in now, production streams have been, never been so much more abundant. You know, I, um, I found co- out companies today. do it every week. Sorry, who was that? Company does it every week oh, too. Like, shit. yeah, and he's he's a god. Dude. I need a f- fuck, man. How did I not know that? Because <laughs> they're on oh. Twitch. They're on Twitch most of the time. Yeah, mm. I, I found out earlier today that sudden death. I don't know how many is done, but I found out he's done at least one like a year ago. And <laughs> I I don't know how I didn't know about that either. Like, fuck. I just need to get on that shit, man. Um, for real, for real. So, what? Let's talk about the local scene here in Melbourne or Melbourne let's- adjacent. <laughs> yeah, and all the um, Melbourne surrounding areas. Yeah, yeah. So I know we were talking about this before uh, the podcast, and mm. we just think there's like there's a bunch of artists out here that just deserve a lot more recognition. Um, and yeah, would. Do you want to like shout out some of your friends and stuff and then just delve I into would, the scene? I would love stuff? to, man. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, 
you know, uh, I've been, I like, I like to think that I've sort of been on the forefront of in the last three years, at least three or four years, at least, um, really keeping my finger on the pulse of, um, bass music artists that come through in Melbourne, you know, cause we're so far and few between, we got to stay tight knit and everything. Um, immediately I can already think of, you know, Filth Friends, which is a yep. bass music event that has been very important towards the growth of our scene here. Um, I, I would never have imagined, you know, Mode Step coming through ever, but he came through in February and that time last year we had Virtual Riot, you know, like that that was, you, it was unheard of, like in 2016 or 2017. Um, another one I can think of is, you know, uh, Meet, uh, Mothership, Meet the Locals, um, where I actually like had my first headlining gig and it was as Drea, um, which is that like poster right here, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, like they're, they're great for like, you know, pushing to people's, to the front of people's minds, um, up and coming locals and all that stuff. Um, what else? Uh, in, in terms of, you know, another event, y- Your Shot, you know, your shots oh, yeah. are a pretty important thing just for DJing in general and even getting like-minded uh, music fans to meet each other. I know I met I met every single friend I have here through your shot or like you know, around the your shot period. So because um, I, I played in 2017. Um, if we're talking artists um, off the cuff, like I mentioned, Scribe. Scribe is incredible. He's a he's a great producer. He's mastered the rake. He's mastered a few of my other tracks. Um he just got a release like the other week um, with Never Say Die with his collab with Jewel. Um, he's absolutely killing it. Um, Space Prince, Corbin, he's doing great stuff too. He um, is really hair, you know, good at bringing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he attracts people with his hair and then they walk out liking bass music. Um, <laughs> he brings he, he brings a great energy. You know, he brings an energy that gets people around the scene. You know, I think he's a really good example of what our community stands for. Um, Manifex, um, who used to go by Infectious. Um, he's, you know, one of the rhythm guys around here. Um, him and I have been friends for as long as, uh, 2017. Um, cause I think he was one of my first actual like bass music friends. So, uh, you know, I owe, I owe a lot to him and, you know, him being able to facilitate my passions and vice versa. Um, into Ash, um, Oscar, he's incredible too. He's, um, he released on Syndicate with Manifex and Space Prince and several other boys like uh, Mansa, who, again, he's a great bro step artist. Um, they yeah, released on that compilation album that was literally dropped yesterday um, at the time of this record, at Check the time of this out. recording through, Syndi- through Syndicate Audio. So cop that. Um, I'll put that in the else? show notes, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Vital Mode, Vital Mode. He's incredible. At, he brings this old school Monster Cat sort of vibe. Um, Complexstro and melodic dubstep and everything. So big up to him and Outcry. Outcry, I can't forget him as well. I'm dropping so many names, but like, dude, I just, I love all I'm just amazing I don't want to leave anyone out. All these off the top of your head. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, it's, it's a stretch. I mean, some, you know, some of them are on this uh, poster right here as well. So like, it's pretty, it's pretty easy, you know? Um, yeah, no, Outcry is great. He's, he knocks boots with like a fair few, you know, B-list tear out artists and so, everything. So, yeah, and, and to top it all off, we're all regularly talking to each other and collaborating and doing challenges. And um, I remember last year or earlier this year, we actually did a, a, a little 
holiday where we all went to um, a holiday house together for a week oh, and just sat down and produced for the entire week and talked shit. And um, from that, one of my tunes that got rec- like recognized by Infect was ma- was started at that at one of those production weeks. That sounds so, fucking yeah, sick. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't. If if you have producer friends that are local to you, I would highly endorse you to just get together and even if you don't make anything constructive, it's just good to be able to facilitate um, your passions and confide in each other, um, your art, and you can all push each other forward. Um, like how all the other guys have pushed me forward and how um, I'm now pushing them forward. So, yeah, um, in, in terms of like the local artists, there's there's all of that. So, hope everyone was writing those names down because <laughs> goddamn it. <laughs> God damn, there were so many of them and they're all they're all well deserving and I'll, I'll have you should to, keep uh, your finger on the pulse for all of them. I'll have to listen to that part again and just chuck like a Spotify link <laughs> for each one in the show notes or something. <laughs> you can find them on the latest Syndicate audio compilation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most I'll of them. I'll chuck that in. So, mm. and even then, you know, um, you can just, <laughs> if people want to hit me up and go, hey, man, can you just give like a cheat sheet of all those names again? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Uh, man, I've been meaning to get out uh, to some events and see all you guys play. Like, I actually fucking like mm. feel bad for not going to more events, considering I make it happens and shit. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. What do you like to do other than producing? Because for me, it's like gaming, and then I guess now it's like making the podcast and socials content, yeah, okay. and all that. But yeah, that that's actually really interesting. One thing that um. I picked up sort of in the back quarter, like the last quarter of last year. And uh, this year was actually, I've, I've gotten a lot more into reading again. Um, like off, off to this side here of my desk is um, a bunch of like um, self-help books and um, psychology books and everything. So I think one thing that's been really interesting for me is being able to sort of emotionally be able to unpack yourself and examine yourself um, in your character and, how your brain works and everything and being able to also help others and encourage them to also uh, look inside themselves and be able to sort of like coach themselves into a better quality of life. Um, So that's sort of one of my other main hobbies um, as well. You know, a a lot of the time it is just producing is like the main thing I'm I'm doing. Um, But at at the same time, you know, I I like the idea of being a a coach and uh, almost like a, a, a guide and a teacher for others and um i think these books are really helping me with that um i've actually got a a book out here that i still need to start reading it's a designing building and testing your own speaker system book oh yeah that'll be that'll be really like it'll hemorrhage my brain but it might be really cool oh Um, dude uh so (laughs) speaking of speakers uh two days ago i may or may not have dropped some food inside my subwoofer no <laughs> no <laughs> how <laughs> uh, well my girlfriend handed me these new like little ball shaped things from mcdonald's and yeah i fumbled and it just kind of just went fell in into there. like the cone or something of the sub yeah yeah oh my god that's insane <laughs> so i i think like the back doesn't seem to come off like it seems to be sh- sealed shut Right. So I think I'm going to have to like take a vacuum in. <laughs> oh, good luck. Good luck. Oh, oh man. It's, it's I mean, not like, as easy as getting a pick out of a guitar. I can tell you that much. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't just shake it. 
<laughs> um, I'm, I'm, another thing too is um, fitness. I'm, I'm quite into my fitness um, and like looking after myself. Um, every morning I, I go for a walk. I, I wake up at 4.30, 5am most mornings and um, go for a walk um, just like up and down um, sort that of like around the block a few times. Early, damn. Oh, dude, no, like that again, that's from reading all these books, you know, and um, I've sort of conditioned in myself to be able to wake up, go to bed at like 8.30 at night and wake up at like 4.30 in the morning. So, I'm still getting my eight hours or whatever, but yeah, um, it, it actually, it's really nice being able to be awake at a time where people won't be messaging you. Um, yeah. Really, help, really helps you get your head clear and um, on these walks at any, way, any rate, especially in the last month with like writing a song every day, you have to come up with new ideas and new inspirations and a really good way to think about that and like gear your mind to being like, all right, so what am I going to do today is just like going for a walk. And I li- I am, I'm lucky to be living in a beach town. Oh, and so, nice. you know, I, I can hear the ocean um, every morning. There's barely anyone up driving around. Um, it's a very quiet town where I live. So it's really, it's really handy. And um, yeah, you know, again, fitness is like another thing that, it's a good release. It's a, it's a good way to hit the reset button on your thoughts and your body. And you can go back into, I don't know, your door and, uh, approach a track you might've been stuck on, um, with a fresh set of ears and eyes and a a, a fresh, clear, um, headspace. Yeah. I was, I was starting like the daily walk thing again recently, but then Mm. a new expansion for a game dropped and I'm completely addicted. (laughs) yeah um but yeah like to you know how you said that people can't message you at that early hour because like most people just aren't awake um Mm. i think a lot of people achieve that by simply just staying up really late and true yeah true my name that's my my friends who are night elves say the exact same thing they're like you know i wake up at like three in the afternoon man and Stay up till like, you know, as late as five or 6am. It's funny because sometimes I'll jump on Discord and they'll be like within like passing out and I'll be like (laughs) waking up and it's sort of like, it's almost like running a marathon and like handing the baton off to someone else to continue the rest of the day, you know? (laughs) Um, Uh, So, yeah, no, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Yeah. I just wanted to stress like, don't, don't (laughs) stay up late purely for that reason or like, don't convince yourself it's okay to stay up late just because of that. (laughs) Like. I was going to say, my friends who do stay up that late sometimes also, like, you know, they're working, like, graveyard shifts at their jobs. So uh, Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, so, like, you know, they'll work from, like, 10 at p.m. till, like, 3 a.m. sort of thing. So, some yeah. of them, it's just, they, they got to do it for work, but... Yeah, my girlfriend um, you does know. that, but not right now because of corona, but, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do get time to produce, like, early in the morning. <laughs> I'm just tired mm, as fuck, mm. though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like... You know, you got to like get some caffeine in you before before that, before all the the thinking with like you know, oh god, what the fuck am I going to write today? Yeah, gets in your head. That's um, actually so yeah. how I discovered like the more chilled out kind of dubstep tunes that have been popping mm. out recently, though, because like had yeah. to go pick her up at like three a.m. or something, and I was really tired, so like all the screeching was giving me headaches and shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, something about like listening to rhythm at four in the morning just isn't okay unless yeah. you're in a club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we're like we're pretty running pretty long here. Um, oh, okay. Or not pretty long, just a bit over the usual time. 
But um, is right. there any like final shout outs or words that you'd like to say to the listeners before we head off? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, if, uh, if you want to, uh, if you're a producer and you want to be able to create your signature sound or whatever the hell that means, and you want to do something interesting, I would say, um, really think about what kind of emotion you want to put forward and you want people to feel, um, then it, the answers will come to you very naturally and organically. And, um, the more honest you are with creating your music, the more it'll show, um, in terms of myself and anything to do with releases. Um, I do think I have one coming up next month and I'm not going to say what or who, (laughs) um, and, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want to, you know, follow me and you want to be, you know, you want to see what I'm doing or you want to see like the tracks I've been making over the course of 30 days. Uh, my Instagram uh, at Drearstep is the um, is the best resource for that. And um, yeah, like like I said, you know, uh, don't look too far out globally. Um, sometimes the best music can be right under your nose, and you won't even know it. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Thanks for listening, Ditto, man. everyone. This was the Wavetable episode four with guest Drea, I'm Master Ren. Peace.